0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Abundantly Curious. I'm your host, Jerry Page. In this episode, we dive into plant medicine, specifically ayahuasca and psilocybin, which is mushrooms, if you were not familiar. And we talk about the ceremonial and healing and transformative powers of these plant medicines, how we can unlock them, what happens in the body, and what happens for some in our consciousness. I have personally experimented, as you may have heard of in other episodes, with plant medicine and had profound experiences that honestly changed my life. So I'm very excited that we are sitting down with someone today who knows so much, has a wealth of knowledge in this area, and is a practitioner that helps guide people with the medicine herself. A few fun topics that we'll dive into. What is an ego death? And is it something that we should hope to achieve? What is the role of intention set and setting whenever it comes to having a psilocybin ceremony or an ayahuasca ceremony? What is the difference between microdosing and a ceremony? And what is the difference in what you'll get out of it? And also my favorite topic, what would our experts say to those who are afraid of pooping and vomiting, aka the purge, whenever it comes to a certain plant medicine, specifically ayahuasca? This is always a deterrent that comes up whenever I share my experience uh, with people, which did not involve purging. And so we talk about how we can navigate that as a potential blocker to experiencing these beautiful plants. So stay tuned, buckle up, and enjoy this conversation. Before we dive in, I'd like to welcome you to the Abundantly Curious podcast, where we aim to change your world from the inside out, sparking curiosity, igniting inspiration, and deepening into liberated aliveness. Join me and special guests as we explore the frontier of how much really is possible for us in life and how we can expand our mind, body, and spirit into new possibilities. Make sure you never miss an episode by hitting subscribe now and joining our email list at the link in our show description and show notes. Hello, everyone. Our guest today is Tiffany Hurd, a microdosing guide and plant medicine facilitator. She guides people through microdosing journeys and ceremonies to shift patterns, beliefs, anxiety, depression, and overall step into your most authentic expression. Tiffany also mentors entrepreneurs, healers, and coaches who want to weave microdosing into their current work. She'll teach you how to work with plant medicine, how to guide people through microdosing protocols, and how to bring your medicine into the psychedelic space with reverence and integrity. Tiffany, thank you so much for being here today.
1: Yes, thank you for having me. I'm so
0: excited to be here. So to kick us off, could you please share a bit of your background
1: and what led (coughs) you to where you are today? Yes, yes, beautiful entry. So my background is the complete opposite of what I'm actually doing right now, but it somehow synergized in a way that worked out really beautifully. So my background is actually in the medical device world. For about 13 years, I was in high executive medical device positions working in the healthcare industry. So, you know, I kind of was living the lifestyle of climbing the corporate ladder and assuming that that was really going to create success, that caught up to me. I really experienced in those positions a lot of anxiety, a lot of just really like unresolved trauma that would resurface and show in relationships, in life. It would just show all over the place. And so not only was that really an accumulation of my upbringing, but what was like the big trigger was the job that I was in hmm. and the unfulfilling career that I was in. And so I ended up starting my own plant medicine journey. I actually started with ayahuasca, just kind of dove right in. And that was beautiful. I also was on medication. And so I started microdosing. I found microdosing about five years ago, and I didn't really know a whole lot about it. There wasn't like a big wave like there is right now in in the psychedelic space with it. So I did a lot of research on my own and I said, you know what, I'm going to try this and I'm going to see if I can get off my medication and just see if it helps me with, you know, a variety of other things as well. And so I kid you not, in about two months, I was completely off my medication. I was just like, wow, this opened up so much more for me than I actually anticipated. And so it just kept on going and going. And, you know, as I dove deeper into my plant medicine journey with microdosing, with larger ceremonies, more with ayahuasca journeys. That deepened me more into just my passion and my purpose and the work that I really wanted to do, which was not the corporate industry that I was in. And so it just kind of slowly started leading me more into that authentic truth. And I listened and I kept going. And next thing you know, I said, you know what, I'm ready to to make this transition. And so I did. And I was working part time with kind of starting to, guide people within like the microdosing space. And then about a half a year into that, I was like, you know what, let's just make this full transition. And I did. And it's been a beautiful journey. You mentioned something that feels important
0: that your job was a trigger in a way. And mm-hmm. I feel mm-hmm. like that's so many people's journey or it's resonant for them in some way. Can you speak more to that and how it was a trigger and what it felt like to move on from? That?
1: Yeah. So, you know, I think the trigger, for me at least, and and I hear this pretty often with a lot of people that I work with and just people in life in general, is that trigger will continue to to kind of poke at you and persist until you really listen to what that is. And that's how it was showing for me. I kid you not, I jumped, like, I thought it was just the job, right? I'm like, oh, it's just the job. I'm not happy with this job. Let me leave this company And I'll just go to another company and I'll, you know, make more money at this position or whatever the complaint was at that time with that company that was creating, quote unquote, the trigger. And so I did that and I did it about five different times. Like it's like a running joke, not anymore, but it used to be a running joke of I just bounce from jobs to jobs. I started to really identify patterns within that experience of mine and the same triggers would continue to show. So, really, that just required me to take a deeper look at okay, what am I actually experiencing in my body? Where's this anxiousness coming from? Why am I having depression symptoms? Um, You know, where does this trigger, quote unquote, actually reside in my body? And so, just doing deeper work within that really helped me identify what was going on. And then that kind of created more of an opportunity to choose okay, now that I have the awareness and I've identified. the experience that I'm in right now, wh- where would I like to be? What would I like to experience? How would I like to feel? And kind of focusing my energy in those places too, mm-hmm. um, along with, you know, working with the medicine too. And it just kind of harmonized in a beautiful way to at least feel like I just had options of, of other things that weren't that particular trigger that I was in, if that makes sense. It does. And mm-hmm. we're kicking off with such an important reflection.
0: Like your stuff, Follows you,
1: exactly. When yeah, it'll like hunt you down. (laughs) Yeah, Mm -hmm. I mean, I packed up
0: all my stuff and left Boston. I moved all over the place, spent six months all over, and Mm -hmm. it all it all followed me. It all comes whenever we only shift the external and don't do any of the inner work. Um, it's it's not a complete transformation, and so as you found microdosing and plant medicine, I'm curious if you could provide the audience with a little Mm bit of a background information about what it even is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we'll start with microdosing. You can microdose with a variety of psychedelics or a variety of, of plant medicines. The ones that I work with and that I guide people through journeys with is psilocybin, so mushrooms. And I recently started bringing in ayahuasca. So I have a pretty big history and experience of working with with ayahuasca and she's been wanting to come more into my work so she's she's here she's arrived um, but really you know microdosing essentially can be like defined as a 10th or a 20th of a normal dose of a psychedelic or a plant medicine substance so it's perceptual meaning that there aren't going to be or there shouldn't be any any psychedelic effects you shouldn't hallucinate Um, It should be a really subtle experience that you practice consistently over a longer period of time versus an actual ceremony where that's a much larger dose. And that's not a longer period of time, but it's a shorter period of time, you know, four to eight hours, essentially. So really, the idea with microdosing is that you can work with this medicine, you know, consistently throughout the day. It shouldn't take you out of the task that you're doing throughout your day. In fact, it should really enhance the things that you're experiencing. Um, really the idea is that, you know, you can work through some belief patterns, some habitual patterns, Um, you know, your energy can increase, you can improve your mood, anything from addiction, PTSD, depression, anxiety, stress, like there's, there's like a whole mental health aspect that it really can, can support and improve in. And then there also is like this whole side of performance and optimizing your health and your wellness. So there really is like an umbrella of a variety of of how microdosing can really support you. Um, And I see it being, you know, worked with and practiced with a variety of different things. Yeah.
0: Mm. And it's so interesting to me how in modern day, there is a perception about mushrooms Mm -hmm. in the common culture. And yet there's a history and a background of this medicine that is sacred. Could you share a little bit of the, the journey there?
1: Yeah. The big thing that comes up is right now with like the psychedelic wave right the psychedelic renaissance it's kind of like the third wave of what's taking place right now i think that there's there's like a reverence to be held with the medicine and you have a whole um you know ancient modality of of like indigenous that brought this medicine here and so that's really anchored and that's really held in a reverent way and so you can almost feel the protection of the medicine in a way from from the indigenous rightfully so Right. It's it's rightfully so. And so right now you're kind of seeing two angles where that's existing and then, you know, big pharma and and medical and things like that. So there's a lot of different flavors that are in the space right now. But I think overall, um, with the amount of research that's being done right now or that has been done, that's out there through incredible sources, John Hopkins, like some really, really incredible researching institutions um, They're it's almost creating this like, this softness is, is what comes to mind of society of viewing it in a new way. Whereas it was viewed as drugs and it was viewed as something that, you know, was dangerous. Now it's viewed as a medicine and it's viewed as a healing modality that people are now really starting to see.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And correct me mm-hmm. if I'm wrong, but in the
0: book, How to Change Your Mind by Michael Pollan, I believe they were studying this decades ago and
1: then they just stopped. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So this has been studied, I mean, decades and decades And medicine, not just psilocybin, just plant medicine, psychedelics in general has been around for thousands of years. It was kind of just shoved under the rug through many different reasons. So, you know, there's a lot that we can go into with that. But if you think of our society and, you know, big pharma comes to mind and and, you know, medications and wanting that to really take the forefront of of just the way that our society is ran. You know, plant medicine psychedelics were almost viewed as a threat to that.
0: Mm. Whenever you're microdosing or taking plant medicine, are there any differences between taking it with a practitioner such as yourself who's trained Mm. with it versus in a clinical setting? Like, is there a difference with intention or comfort? How would you describe Mm. those?
1: Yeah, yeah. So there definitely is a difference between almost like a, a guided coaching route versus a therapeutic setting. I really don't believe that one way is better or not for for either. I think it really depends on what's going to best serve that individual and the healing that they're desiring. So for example, there may be you know an elderly woman who has been struggling with depression for many, many years. She may do a lot better and feel a lot more safe and relaxed in a setting with the actual licensed therapist. In a clinical setting where, you know, if something, God forbid, were to to happen to her in a clinical setting where somebody can come in and monitor and like hand all hands on deck. That's not to say that a coaching facilitation, you know, trauma informed certifications experience, like all those types of amazing qualities to have couldn't serve in the the same capacity. It's just going to be a different experience. Mm.
0: I love being surprised whenever I ask questions <laughs> because I thought, for sure, I don't know where I picked up this story along the way, but I I was thinking that being in like a safe, intimate, I don't know if sacred is the right word or not, maybe mm-hmm. more intentional sort of environment might be preferable for some mm-hmm. people over mm-hmm. the clinical, but what mm-hmm. you're saying is really eye-opening. So in terms mm-hmm. of like the experience, what are the things that will impact the experience that you have, let's say in a ceremony, Mm -hmm. for example, leading up to it.
1: Yeah, beautiful. And also just to touch on that too, like just as much as it may be uh, impactful or more supportive for someone in a clinical setting, it's the same in a ceremonial experience. Like I know for me, I am so much more connected in a ceremony with music and there's music in clinical settings too, but it's just more of like a shamanic, indigenous experience versus you know a clinical office which still might be a comfortable setting of course but just two very different different experiences to have so i just wanted to share that piece too yeah. but in terms of leading up to either whether it's a ceremonial facilitation experience or it's a therapeutic setting there are very much so commonalities with the preparation process that goes into both there's a there's a phrase in the psychedelic space set and setting and that really is a huge part of of preparing for the experience um this also goes for microdosing. it's not just larger doses as well um i I believe it's just psychedelics plant medicines overall and so set and setting is really you know what is like your mindset going into the experience are you grounded are you clear on what your intentions are for what you want to receive and move through and experience throughout the actual journey and then the setting is is really like what is your environment And so, again, that's what we talked about with the clinical setting, like that environment will be set up in a particular way for the person to land and arrive and feel safe so that they can have, you know, have an experience with that. And then the same goes with ceremonial experience. They're going to walk into a setting that is set up for that experience for them Mm -hmm. to arrive in that. And so that alone, you know, that drives the experience along with your
0: intentions, it's interesting right. you stopped on intentions. I've had one shaman-led ceremonial right. journey with mm-hmm. psilocybin, and I went in with intentions, and then she just gave me what she wanted to,
1: <laughs> which was yeah, what I was needed. Cute. So I'm <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it might not be what you want, but it might be what you need exactly.
0: So I'm curious mm-hmm. to know what your experience has been with that in terms of whenever you go in, what do you often find that people leave with?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a beautiful question. You know, I I often see people, especially people that are new to to working with with the medicine in a in a larger dose and a larger in an actual ceremony experience, is they they kind of walk away with an experience of I had no idea that that's where I was going. I had no idea that this is where we were going tonight. And it's so funny that I that I hear that so often because You know, especially being new to it, for those of of you that are listening that are new, you're going to do all the research for the most part. You're going to read the books. You're going to listen to the podcast. You're going to listen to other people's experiences and their journeys. And because there's usually this layer of fear going into it because it's new and, and you have no idea what you're really walking into, you're going to look for things to relate to. So you're like, oh, that might be my experience or I might have that experience. And so I see that really often with people that I work with is they they kind of feel like they have an idea of what they're walking into but because it's such an individualized journey and experience it's always never that it's always just their own and they're always so surprised by it so that's one part of it another part is is peace hmm. like inner peace inner freedom inner joy and just really walking away with with a sense of feeling more in their bodies Mm. It's really what I what I witness. That's beautiful. It's making me think of
0: how I felt after my journey. And it's taking you back to your experience. When is, was yours? It was in 2020. It was in the summer of 2020. Yeah. And I tell people it was the worst and best experience of my life at the same time. And I wouldn't have had it any other way. <laughs> I haven't yet felt called back to it just yet. But I know that... I will again. It's interesting. Whenever I try to – my shaman even told me this. He's like, whenever you try to explain the experience to people, it almost loses some of its its magic, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. And I found mm-hmm. that afterwards I tried to be like, this is what I felt. This was the experience. Mm-hmm. And without having ex- – it was ineffable. And without having experienced it, people were just like, oh. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, so, yeah. how do you feel about that in terms of expressing the actual journey
1: itself? What have you found? Mm, I love this question, and thanks for sharing that. There's a lot that I believe that you get to just be with, and you get to just hold. It's yours, mm. and it's sacred. A lot of people may not understand or relate to what that experience might have been for you. And so I'm a big believer in, one, integration. Like that, That's mm. a non-negotiable, and we can talk about that in a moment. But that's a huge, huge piece to to incorporate after a large journey, even with microdosing. Another part to bring in with that is is creating a safe container of who you're actually sharing your experience with. I'm a huge advocate to share with people who have worked with the medicine before. Mm. You're going to relate on a completely different level. So especially if you're sitting in a group ceremony, connect with those people. So in group ceremonies for me, I connect everybody together. We're connected. We're having integration calls. We're connecting and keeping that alive because there's a certain uh, magic and a certain potency that's created in those ceremonies that you share. And so you can relate. It's safe. You've journeyed together. That's a huge, huge safe space to really continue to share and process and integrate think to just be mindful of who you're actually sharing with and and that person may be someone that you love and trust it could be a family member it could be your partner who's never journeyed it might still create more I don't want to say a a trigger but it can create like um, I can't think of the word but not detrimental something along the path of that where They just might not understand and it might kind of pull you back and confuse you a little bit Mm. and can create a whole different experience um, than maybe the the groundedness that you were in before sharing.
0: That's really helpful. And I'm going to carry that forward with me in my next experience. I feel like I'm in a different place now. Bad. the time, mm-hmm. my initial reaction or response was to like go on a psilocybin campaign. Like, you don't understand. Mm-hmm. Like, this is amazing.
1: You know, it's almost like I saw the yeah. sun for the first time and I'm like, there's this thing that exists and it's so beautiful. <laughs> and you're, you're so, Um, that's why the integration is so huge because you're, you're so open and you want to go share. And so, something else that I'll see often too that I actually didn't mention that's, that's coming in right now is people. Witness the truth of what they want to step into, such as if you're entering the ceremony and again, this might even show with microdosing, but I see it with larger dosages is, you know, if you're not really happy at your career or if your relationship's a little rocky, it it can obviously improve in certain ways and you can have a different belief around that and how you're viewing it. But for the most part, I see it kind of doing the opposite and people will walk out and they're like, all right, I'm quitting my job. I'm getting out of this relationship. And I'm like, hold on, (laughs) like let's at least wait like a week or two to integrate and and land the ship before you start making these these big life decisions because you're in this like magic, joyful, open, I can take on whatever I please kind of mentality at times. Um, we really we really get to ground it and then make a decision from that place. Mm, is that a
0: part of what you mean by integration, just like <clears throat> grounding and sitting with the ripple effects of the experience?
1: Yeah, exactly. And And really taking the things that really stood out to you in the experience that you want to make changes with or whatever that may be and creating like daily actionable steps to really ground it and integrate it. So it's almost like, You know, if, for example, if maybe you were unfulfilled at your career and you sat in ceremony and then you really received that this was not the career that you that you should be in, rather than jumping, jumping into that, how can you start setting yourself up each day to slowly make the steps to make those changes Mm -hmm. versus just radically making it? That's going to feel a lot better on your nervous system. That's going to feel a lot better of a transition for you.
0: You mean it's mm-hmm. better to slowly make changes than lighting a match and burning it all down?
1: Burn it down. Sometimes you got to burn it down, but sometimes that's a lot. That's a lot <laughs> of the body. Yeah, I've burned a lot of things down, and and no regrets. But it it def- there definitely could have been a softer approach at times. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned
0: the nervous system, and I, I saw that mm-hmm. on your Instagram and your website that microdosing is related to the nervous system. I was wondering if you could speak to that a little bit more and help us understand maybe what's happening on the body level.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so with microdosing, I love to weave in and nervous system focus and nervous system modalities through the breath, through body awareness, through some slight body, you know, embodiment movement, whatever it is that the human needs to, to move whatever they're, they're working through, ground whatever they're working through. When we're microdosing or you're working with psychedelics or you're working with plant medicine in general, what's really happening in the brain is, is the actual psilocybin, we'll, we'll talk about mushrooms, is it's creating new neural pathways. It's creating new neuroplasticity in the brain. And so really what that is allowing are new patterns to be interrupted new patterns to be created because as humans especially through childhood we see certain things that we believe we attach to those beliefs things affect us that we carry into our adult years um everyday life we have certain habitual patterns we have certain beliefs and when there's something that <clears throat> we maybe want to shift or work through to create a healthier way of living or a healthier way of viewing something. Um, sometimes we can be stuck in that same thought pattern. And so this is why I love to work with psychedelics is because it almost interrupts that that thought pattern and allows a new opportunity to create a new one. And it kind of just shifts gears within the mind and the body. And so there really is a, a window of opportunity to work with when that happens. That's why I really love the guided approach, especially with microdosing, because I'm able to help you see when that's actually happening, and then I'm able to help you learn how to actually work with the medicine, work with those windows of opportunities so that you can really receive the most out of the journey. Mm-hmm. I love that. And for anyone who hasn't seen
0: this on video, it's so cool to Google neural pathways growing mm-hmm. and reconnecting online. I mean, this, is, this isn't this is just like talk. Like, this actually happens in your brain, and it's so cool to see it physically happen as a yeah, result. Yeah, it's pretty
1: wild. Yeah. And you can witness it, right? Like, of course, I'm not in the person's brain while I'm guiding them on the journey, but you know, I energetically feel like I am <laughs> at times, but to witness even just a week of working with people sometimes, it, you know, you really feel the and, and see the shifts that quickly. And it's like you can witness just the things just rewiring and changing. And they're like, Oh, I'm now viewing things this way. Or, Oh, you know, I used to feel incredibly anxious or you know, would have panic attacks or whatever the experience is that's going back to the nervous system out of body experiences. And so working with the medicine to soften that and then also bringing in the guided approach of when I am experiencing anxiety or when I am experiencing fear, stress, whatever that is, obviously my nervous system is in a sympathetic experience. How can I bring it back into a calm, grounded, parasympathetic experience? Yes.
0: Yes. Something that's always so fascinating, and I like to to bring up on these interviews, is kind of the overlay of <laughs> the emotional body, the physical body, and then there's a spiritual. And yeah. one of the purposes or explorations of this podcast is to see how these things coexist rather than thinking that they're divisive or if one thing is scientifically proven, it's not spiritual, or if it's spiritual, it's not science. Yeah. What has your experience been with like the spiritual side of this and how it relates to what's happening in the body or that we've explored?
1: Mm -hmm. I'll start with psilocybin. Because it's grown in the earth, because it it comes from the earth, that alone is creating a certain reverence of spirituality that people tend to connect with. Mm. So that's kind of one piece that I see take place really often. And then and myself included. Then there is a altered state of consciousness that you experience that connects you to something beyond you. So that may be God, that may be a higher self, that may be divine intelligence, like whatever resonates and connects with you. I tend to see that happening quite often. And so again, those are two, I like to say like not out of body, but external experiences outside of you in a way. So to your point, How do you bring that into the body and how do you kind of create that harmony or that alignment is through integration, Mm -hmm. is through um, body awareness practices, you know, self rituals, um, in my opinion, to really hone everything in. Mm -hmm. I know we're not specifically
0: discussing consciousness, and so I'm not sure if you'll Mm -hmm. have a, a response or ideas on this or not, but I'm wondering... As I've explored this a little bit, I'm not sure that the researchers have identified the seat of consciousness or where it lives, how it's connected to the physical body. Have you read anything about this? Do you have any things that you've explored or identified
1: in this area? You know, I, through my own just rituals and practices, I can drop into a higher state of consciousness. Mm -hmm. For me, I'm able to ground into like connecting to my guides, connecting to the divine, the divine can be viewed as God. The divine can be viewed as Earth, planet. The divine can be a psychedelic substance. It's whatever, in my opinion, can help you arrive and connect in this state of safety, trust, and something that might be guiding you beyond what your physical body can guide you into. And so it's like this, this safety that you can land in. Um, and that might look really different for a lot of different people. That happens to be my experience of what I can speak on with consciousness. I obviously, you know, experience it happen in larger facilitations of ceremonial mm-hmm. work too. Yeah, that's such a mystery, which you're, makes it so exciting. So and Joe you know, Dispenza comes to mind, right? Of course, of like you and and your, imagining your future self and what your future self is experiencing, and you know, almost like this manifestation approach of of you and the physical body now witnessing the physical future self i've done some of his work a little bit um some people love him some people don't connect with him but it really is going to be what do you resonate with that that helps you get to that place if that is of interest to you
0: yeah absolutely and i i mentioned dr joe almost every episode and i was like i'm not going to do it this time i'm not going to do it and then you did here
1: i go i brought it up i (laughs) I love it
0: No, yeah. I'm so happy you did. I mean, it's just like a boomerang. Um, oh, my gosh. It's, it's completely fascinating work. And to be honest, I had an experience in deep meditation that really resembled mm-hmm. a plant medicine, the plant medicine mm-hmm. ceremony mm-hmm. that I did in terms of what I created just actually by myself within my body mm-hmm. with no substances.
1: Mm-hmm. I love that that you bring that up. So. Accessing states of consciousness, too, through breath work, you can also access that. It's not just through a, a plant medicine or a psychedelic journey, but like, you can absolutely access that place on your own. That's the power of our bodies. Mm.
0: Have you been able to, if this isn't too personal, have you been able to access states without any plant medicine?
1: 100%. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And they're just, they're different journeys. There's been times where some, I wouldn't necessarily say, you know, feel deeper and more expansive than working with plant medicine they're just two different experiences and you know sometimes you don't want to go on a large 4-hour journey <laughs> sometimes you want to just be able to breathe and and not have a substance that's guiding you into that state there's something really powerful about being able to arrive there through your own breath and your own body awareness
0: i just got chills mm-hmm. because it feels like the plants are teachers showing us what's possible
1: Exactly. Yeah. They're they're powerful allies.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) 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 I just went to the dentist this morning and now I'm like remembering
1: who I am. I'm like, oh, yes, (laughs) I am a powerful, conscious creator. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yes. Ah, There's nothing like a good teeth cleaning either. That's like that's one of my favorite things to do, actually. (laughs) What? (laughs) Uh, a few people that are listening to this will actually crack up at this that I know. But there's a fun fact that my dentist and I have a lot of like trauma from the dentist at a young age. But now now we're like in a great relationship with the dentist. But I get my teeth cleaned twice a year and I have a record at the dentist of the most cleanings with that dentist. And I was like, yeah, I will take that award all day. <laughs> but it's actually a really hysterical fun fact about me. <laughs> That's amazing.
0: Something I wanted to bring up was this concept that I've heard brought up a lot whenever you start talking about plant medicine, especially ayahuasca, which is ego death. Ego death. Okay. What say you about ego death? Is it something that I see a lot of people almost seek it as like it's the goal, the end goal. What are your thoughts on this, how it relates to plant medicine?
1: So, Ego death, ego death, ego death. So the question is, like, people desire to seek that, and that almost seems like the goal that people want to arrive in is is an ego death. Mm -hmm. So ego death, I believe, is is really letting go, releasing, shedding Mm. what really doesn't serve you. And Mm. so that may look like if you're somebody who has a lot of control in your life, right? Needs to control things. Those are certain patterns and certain beliefs and certain ways of being that might not really work for the way that you want to live your life based on what you've identified and what you're experiencing. And so having an ego death, if we relate that to a large ceremony dosage amount, will typically show us somebody being really fearful of entering the experience and not surrendering to it. So gripping really tight or needing it to be a certain way or um, trying to control the experience versus resting in it and allowing the medicine to work through you to shed those parts of you that um, you've actually arrived here to to explore. Mm. That's a really
0: beautiful explanation and definition of it. I've seen perspectives of it as almost being like that I sort of dies and you're just like you're Mm. you're blended you're one with everything and yet there's Mm. so much value from having an I there's (laughs) so much Mm -hmm. value from like letting that part of self live on and so I love what you've shared there with that
1: yeah yeah
0: there's something that I have witnessed that I'm just curious about no judgment in it but sometimes I see people who've done like 19 20 plus ayahuasca ceremonies. And Mm -hmm. my perspective is that they're very like ethereal, like they're in the clouds Mm -hmm. and perhaps not as grounded. Is this, Mm -hmm. I don't want to ask, is this good or bad? Because I know there is no good or bad, but what are your thoughts on whether this is something that you might want to ground from or is it a perfectly healthy Mm -hmm. place to
1: be in? Yeah, that's a good question. There's so many different ways to answer that. What really wants to come through the strongest and the loudest is always coming back to, you know, what are your intentions, your goals, your reasons for continuing to sit in another ceremony? Um, You know, there can be a lot of, quote unquote, like spiritual bypassing where, you know, you are sitting in ceremony, you're receiving a lot of the downloads and the things that you want to move through. There's a lot of healing that might be taking place. And that's a particular like medicine magic consciousness that you're in that can feel really amazing at times although there is death portals that you you may also experience in the same breath but for the most part it ends up being a positive journey depending on how you look at it and so a lot of people can can want to stay in that experience versus versus go through that experience and then <clears throat> integrate it so point being is one what are your intentions? What are your intentions? What are your intentions? Why are you continuing to sit in ceremony? And two, have you actually created the spaciousness to integrate that particular ceremony that you just sat in and the things that you witnessed and the things that you experienced and the knowledge that was offered to you? Or are you just jumping into the next one and not holding that integrity and that reverence for the medicine in yourself to actually... Implement and apply the things that you're sitting in ceremony for. That's how I would would view it from those two angles. Yeah.
0: Thank you for that. Mm. I'm going to bring this to a lighter, more earthly topic, which comes up almost every time I bring up plant medicine. (laughs) What would you say Uh -uh. to the people who feel blocked around trying plant medicine in ceremony because they don't want to poop or vomit?
1: (laughs) Okay. Okay. Yeah. So that would, uh, that would be more so an ayahuasca ceremony. Um, I don't really see it happen again. It it depends, but I don't, i very, very rarely have I seen it happen in in a psilocybin ceremony. So for those of you where we're going to focus on not wanting to poop or vomit and ayahuasca ceremony, um, yeah. So I would I would love to offer that that might be a slight little control tactic of wanting to control the journey. Um, that's like one topic that might not be as light as this one. Um, but let's keep things light. What that is, the release of that, the purging, actually is such an amazing release. And so releasing an ayahuasca, like what you're going to read is vomiting, pooping, but releases are also laughing, crying, yawning, sneezing, uh, coughing, if I haven't shared that, um, little hums, like whatever the body wants to create as a release, that's how it's going to show. And so that release is how I like to explain it, a release of the medicine collecting all the things that are not serving you, all the things that you're holding, the weight, the pain, the old stories, the trauma, The physical pain, the mental disturbance, like whatever it is that you're experiencing, it's collecting it throughout your entire body and it's releasing and and giving it back to the earth. Mm. So You actually don't have to hold it anymore.
0: What a very different way of thinking about those two
1: uncomfortable (laughs) purging mechanisms. Yeah. And, you know, of course, our physical conscious human selves are, especially for those of you that do not like to purge in those ways. There can be a lot of like shame around, you know, purging in front of other people, or there could be a lot of resistance to like I just do not like purging, vomiting. Um you actually end up having a really different relationship with it once you are in, in ceremony. It mm. actually isn't as as bad as you might anticipate it to be. I will say that again lightly because sometimes it can be. Again, I can't speak for just one way. The medicine's gonna do what the medicine's gonna do. Yeah. And with that, in the same breath, I'm a big believer in what I've witnessed in, in ceremonies is, you know, if you're not ready to go on a deep, deep, deep journey, the medicine might not take you there. It it might allow you to receive what it believes she believes you're ready to receive and what your body and your nervous system can actually handle in mm-hmm. that moment. So um, that happens very often, too.
0: Mm, that's good to know that there's some um... Maybe some plant respecting the
1: true boundaries. Yeah, some plant respecting. And not everybody purges. Like there's there's sometimes like you don't purge and and you in terms of vomiting or pooping, like you may purge in the other ways that I explained mm-hmm. or that I offered. I remember
0: a point in my psilocybin journey where I felt like nauseous and I was like, Oh, gotta go. And my mm-hmm. shaman, I think they asked me, um, what do you want to release? Mm -hmm. what do you what do you not love about yourself or something like that? And I remember pausing and going, I think I love myself. (laughs) And then the nausea went away. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And then it stayed interesting. So what is something that everyone at home could do today if they wanted to explore or learn more about plant medicine?
1: Yeah. So researching, if if you do desire researching, Uh, if you're desiring to work with psychedelics or plant medicine in general, I highly suggest starting with microdosing. It's a beautiful way to enter and enter the medicine space to get familiar with the medicine, a new substance in your body. Um, So that can look a variety of ways. You can just do your research. There's a lot out there. You can find a guide, you can find a mentor, which I highly suggest so that you can really receive the most out of the journey. Great. And could you share a little bit more about your work and how you support people? Yeah, yeah. Thank you. So my work is I'm a microdosing guide. I'm a plant medicine facilitator. Like I shared, I guide people through microdosing journeys with psilocybin and with ayahuasca. I also facilitate both of these medicines as well. Um, Within the microdosing journeys, I also at times incorporate ceremonial cacao, which is another beautiful medicine. Again, very gentle, very heart-opening, expansive. So what this looks like is is usually a six-week journey with microdosing where I'm guiding you through the protocol to help you really receive the most out of the experience in your time with the medicine. And so why I love a guided approach is because some of the most common questions are, like, where do I source the medicine that's trusted, that's in integrity, how often do I microdose, you know, in terms of the days, how long do I microdose, you know, the actual dosage amount, how much do I consume? And so there's like that whole piece that I love. And then another piece is, you know, a lot of people will research that microdosing is going to create motivation and inspiration and, and all these things, which it can and it does for the most part. And there's another piece to it that comes in where you may be a lot more emotional and, you know, because it's resurfacing things that maybe you haven't taken the time to take a look at. And so that's where I love the guided approaches, because we will have those weekly calls to support you with that. And then that's where, you know, the nervous system regulation and the breath and the mind body awareness practices come in and support you in, in moving those things. And again, like I said really receiving the most out of your time with the medicine. Mm. You've shifted my perspective from
0: thinking microdosing was just like how you get creative and the healing was only in ceremony. It sounds like that six-week container is where a lot of healing can happen and transformation can happen as well.
1: Exactly. Yeah, I take a very much so coach, mentor, therapeutic approach to it. And so I don't just share this because it's, it's the work that I do, but what I witness in the people that I work with is really incredible shifts and in healing and expansion. And it's really beautiful to witness. And all the time, I'm just so humble and so grateful to be guiding this work.
0: Mm-hmm. And we're grateful for yeah. you because we need more of this. Thank you. Yeah, doing a little. <laughs> wow. We're dancing, everyone. You can't
1: see us, yeah. but we're dancing. Exactly. Uh, we're
0: how, so how can people mm-hmm. connect with or follow you after the show?
1: Yeah, you can follow me on my Instagram. It's at I am Tiffany Hurd. Um, you can check out more of my work on my website, tiffanyherd.com. Um, and those are really the two main platforms that I use. You can also sign up for my newsletter, which the link is uh, in my Instagram. You can download a free microdosing intentional guide that's there. Um, that's really supportive, especially if you're desiring more of just like a self guided practice or just want to get more informed and educated about microdosing, where to start, how to begin the journey. Uh, that's an, um, an amazing resource for you. Yeah.
0: Thank you. And last question that I ask everyone, if you could leave our listeners with one message, what would it be?
1: Mm. With one message would be, mm. yeah, if you're desiring to really work with the medicine, um, I believe that that's a nudge from the medicine. I believe that when the medicine is ready to work with you, it has these beautiful energetic ways of finding you and, and to really listen to that call. Mm. Thank you so much, Tiffany. So happy to have you.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.